Hey there, it's Rachel Pontillo, and I am so excited to welcome you to the Rachel Pontillo Show today because my very special guest is Dr. Aviva Ram. She is an amazing woman, amazing doctor, but amazing woman. She's a mom of four. She is an herbalist, and she has written a book called The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution. We are living in such a time of revolution these days, and it's not just a political revolution or a women's revolution. This is also a health and wellness revolution. And the adrenal thyroid revolution is such an important compass to help guide us through how we can become healthier and happier. And this is also something that especially will resonate for all the ladies who are listening. So thank you so much again for being here and welcome to Dr. Aviva Ram. Hi, Dr. Raviva. Thank you so much for joining us today. Rachel, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, the pleasure is mine. And I'm so excited for you for your new book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution. And um, it's um, it's perfect timing. I mean, how how stressed out have we been lately, right? In our society. It's so true. So true. <laughs> and this affects us in such deep ways. And what you write about in your book is that this disproportionately affects women. And that is of great interest to me because I work with and reach primarily women. And um, me, myself, personally, I had some thyroid issues as well oh, okay. um, that I was able to overcome, thankfully. But in my practice, I work with a lot of skincare people who also have thyroid issues. Yes. And I've worked with people who have also had adrenal issues. And I've started seeing, wow, this is it seems to be occurring a lot more for women lately. And um, I would love to hear why this is disproportionately leaning more towards women. It's a great question. And like you, my practice is mostly women, women and kids. And, you know, I didn't really expect that adrenals and thyroid were kind of going to become front and center in what I do. But because I see so many women and women are disproportionately affected, I was seeing a disproportionate number of the population coming in with these symptoms of overwhelm. And I don't just mean, oh, I'm a little overwhelmed. I've got a lot on my plate. I'm talking chronically overwhelmed to just the point of fatigue emotionally, physically, spiritually even, of just feeling like they could never keep up and never be enough. And then as I started digging deeper, I was seeing women with irregularities in their cortisol levels, as well as some of their adrenaline byproduct levels that can be measured medically, and their thyroid, um, some with a whole constellation of all of that, some with some of that and not the other. So I started to dig deep and try to understand why 80% of all autoimmune disease, at least in the United States, is affects women. And some of the most common autoimmune diseases like Hashimoto's affect almost only women. And so there are a number of reasons for this, and, and they're really fascinating. One has to do with some of the social pressures on women. We're really pressured to, you know, this whole lean in concept that yes. even Sheryl Sandberg, I mean, she's kind of backtracked right on that. She's backpedaled on that. But this idea that we sort of have to be all and do all is very intense. And I think most of us have internalized that, that we're never enough for our families, for our work, because you know you kind of get that constant pressure, right? If you're a mom who's working out of the house, you feel like you're never giving your kids enough. If you're a mom who's staying at home and you're seeing all these women out in the workforce, maybe you feel like you're not making enough money or doing enough to contribute or to fulfill your you know, sort of greater purpose, 
And then um, even women who are out in the workforce and coming home at the end of the day with a stay-at-home partner are disproportionately taking on not only the breadwinning, but the bread making at home. So most women who are out in the workforce are still coming home and on the way home, getting the groceries, figuring out what's for dinner, helping the kids with the homework, taking the, you know, tucking the kids into bed. And interestingly, on top of that, there are some interest, there are some really fascinating studies that have come out in the past year. For example, women who have stay-at-home male partners are much more likely to get divorced if the male partner is doing more of the housework. So wow. there's some, right? There are some interesting social and emotional issues that even though women are now more um, out in the workforce and even more likely to make more money than their male partners, the emotional issues around that haven't quite caught up with the social issues. So there's more apt to be resentments or women kind of burying their light under a bushel to keep things peaceful at home. And that creates a lot of inner stress. We also know that because women are very, we're biologically primed to connect because of our oxytocin. We produce more oxytocin, we have more oxytocin receptors. And so we actually, because of that connectivity, we actually internalize or feel social and relationship stress actually more than men. So for example, studies have looked at women who have a hard day at work and they come home and tell their partner, their male partner about their hard day at work. The male partner's cortisol levels don't go up. A woman who is told by her partner that he's had a hard day at work, her cortisol levels go up even higher than his. I mean, so it's really interesting. So I think because we're primed to be so connected when there's disconnect in the world, when there's stress in the world, or stress in our world, we feel it more. And then added to that are our own hormonal factors. So one, we go through a lot of hormonal changes and changes in estrogen can predispose us to more autoimmune disease. And on top of that, because we have more estrogen receptors, we're also more likely to be affected by, as adults, we're more likely to be affected by the excesses of estrogen that are now rampant in our environment. Mm -hmm. And that can have a big impact on cortisol production, but also um, a, a, a thyroid hormone uh, production and function and binding. So you add all those factors together and you've got much higher risk for women to experience these autoimmune conditions. That's really fascinating. Wow, 80%. I was not aware that it was that high. And yeah. that, that to me is, it sounds staggering, but it makes sense because I, I just feel like almost every woman I meet has something that is autoimmune or chronic that has to do with the thyroid or with the adrenals. I'm hearing, you know, adrenal fatigue syndrome talked about a lot yep. more. I've had clients with Addison's before, and these are issues that are really challenging for women today because this is not something that conventional medicine really addresses. So what would you Absolutely. say about that from your functional medicine background? Yeah, so a lot of the women that come to my practice have really run the gamut of seeing conventional doctors, and sometimes they've even seen other integrative doctors, but they've really seen so many specialists. It's not uncommon for a woman to come to my practice having seen five different doctors, wow. you know, a general practitioner or internist, an endocrinologist, a gynecologist, a gastroenterologist, a psychiatrist, on and on and on 
down the road to try to get a diagnosis. And often, for a variety of reasons, um, some of them have to do with gender bias in medicine, which has been really well documented, that when women come into the doctor's office or the hospital reporting symptoms of fatigue, anxiety, pain, overwhelm, challenges with their weight, they're really likely to be dismissed as it being in their heads, right? Mm -hmm. They have too much stress or they're just anxious or it's because they're a new mom or they're overly busy or they're a hypochondriac. And this gender bias in medicine is not new, but it has really led to a rampant um, dismissal of women. So some women even just stop going to the doctor and they're just like, there must just be something wrong with me. Maybe I am crazy. Maybe it is in my head. I've seen women internalize that and it's sad. And so a lot of times women find their way to me. They've already seen so many other practitioners and have either not gotten a diagnosis or they've gotten a diagnosis, but they've gotten extremely limited treatment. Usually just, you know, whatever the doctor can write at the end of the prescription pad and go home and call me in six months, but without any support or follow-up, sometimes even without even follow-up on thyroid labs that should be done conventionally. And the other thing is that in addition to this gender bias, particularly for thyroid conditions, well, adrenal conditions are just sort of outright dismissed unless you have an adrenal condition, a disease, right? Like you can have a, a truly diagnosable disease like Addison's disease mm. or Kahn's disease, and that would get diagnosed. But these more what are called functional conditions, they're not an organic disruption, you don't, you don't have a tumor or something going wrong with the organ, it's more uh, an imbalance that hasn't quite manifest as disease yet, but it's more subtle. It's kind of like the water is simmering, but it's not boiling and your doctor will only diagnose you when it's gone from 210 right. degrees Fahrenheit into 212 and now you're, okay, it's boiling, now you've got the problem. But that simmering doesn't count as a problem brewing. We also know that um, for thyroid disease, there's a discrepancy in how doctors are taught to interpret thyroid labs. And that discrepancy means that a lot of women are running around with pretty significant symptoms, but are being told, you haven't crossed the line into what medicine considers a, a diagnosable hypothyroid or Hashimoto's state. And there are two different um, schools of thought on this. One is that the levels have to be 4.8 or 5 and over, depending on the lab. But if you were to serve, if you were to do blood work, and this has been done on the American population and look at people who have absolutely no thyroid symptoms, their levels are actually more like 1.5 to 3. Wow. So what, what healthy people have as numbers are different than what the average American population has as numbers, but those numbers that we're using in conventional medicine are based on the average American population, which isn't necessarily the healthiest population, and we know that exactly. thyroid disease is prevalent. So, right, all of the uh, all of the numbers, all of the averages have been skewed because of all of these public health issues and chronic health issues we have in this exactly. country. It's not a typical healthy population as it once was. And as you've been talking, I've just been thinking back to my own experience. I had weight gain, I had fatigue, I had a goiter that was visible mm. from across a crowded room. And I was still not getting, I was still getting normal results. Yeah. I had the ultrasound and they said, okay, well, there's no tumor, so that's good. They're like, it's just enlarged. I'm like, well, why is it enlarged? It just is. And I said, well, what do we do about this? 
well, we can't do anything until we see different test results. So I went home and I did some research and found some other tests that could mm -hmm. be done. Mm -hmm. I went back to the doctor and I said, well, I'd like these tests. And she said, no, because you have to have this diagnosis before you can get this test and you're not there yet. I'm like, I don't want to get there. That's the whole point. <laughs> exactly. But it, within the conventional healthcare system, I could not get the information that I needed. And fortunately, I was able to work things out really well with food and figure out certain food triggers for myself. But that was after a lot of research and also after going back to school for holistic nutrition. I mean, not everybody has the time or money or should should have to do that to exactly i mean to we some shouldn't extent, have to do that <laughs> we shouldn't and to some extent so many of the women who actually are making change in how things are being done or what i call citizen scientists you know women like you who are just saying look i don't want to wait until i'm sick right to get help i'm not feeling well and sadly i mean we're not that far out from the years of overtly paternalistic medicine, right? It was in the 1970s where doctors could literally still say to someone, I don't have to give you your test results, you know, or, or you know, pat you on the back and say, don't worry, little woman, go home and I'll take care of it. I mean, that kind of paternalistic medicine, we're not talking about 200 years ago, we're no, talking we're about just a couple of decades ago. It is, and I've had patients who have had things said to them like, um, when they've asked their doctor for different testing, things like, well, where did you get your MD on Google University? I mean, these yep. horrible things. WebMD. And there, <laughs> yeah, and there are really well-meaning doctors out there, but we, you know, we talk about adrenal fatigue. The problem of burnout is really serious in primary care medicine. I mean, doctors are leaving medicine left and right. The suicide rate, the depression rate is really high. And so you've got a whole population of people who themselves are burnt out not taught how to deal with this. Right. People who go into medicine, they really go in because they want to fix things mm -hmm. and they're not fixing it because they're, you know, it's like they're trying to fix a car with a plumber's tools, not right. going to happen. So they also feel frustrated and that all, you know, and they're seeing 20 to 40 patients a day. So they get snarky and sure. women on the other hand, we're taught from the time we're little kids, not to question authority, to be polite, not make waves. So, you know, you've got your doctor who's irritable and snarky. You've got you who isn't feeling well, trying to get information from a doctor who's told, well, I can't get this test for you until that other test is positive. Where'd you get your medical degree? And it's, you know, and a lot of women just end up going home feeling defeated and not getting the answers they need. And right. really for, you know, for a lot of women, Hashimoto's and these, uh, this sort of syndrome I call survival overdrive syndrome yes. in my book, lead women to feel really, it really affects their quality of life. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about the survival overdrive syndrome or SOS <laughs> as you call it, because I think that's something we're all, we're all feeling. You know, you're talking about a revolution with your book and we've come to this place where everybody's tired and everybody's, the, so many women are in survival mode, especially because not only we're expected to be, but we're also expected to fix. And so I, I, I definitely think it's time for a revolution. But Thank you. Yes, yeah. I do too. It, it is yes. time. But can you say a bit more about the survival overdrive syndrome? And then let's talk yeah. about that revolution. Yeah. So I started hearing women's, you know, I really listen to the words that women use. And especially when women start saying the same thing, you know, you're thinking, well, okay, I'm hearing the same words over and over. And I was hearing women saying things like, Dr. Rom, I really feel like I'm stuck 
in survival mode, or I just feel like I'm just trying to survive, I, you know, or I'm just stuck in the on position, or I feel like I'm in survival overdrive. And I started really hearing this over and over and over. And it's really interesting because when you look at what's happening under the hood in our bodies, in our hormones, in our neurotransmitters, what truly literally is happening is that our survival response system or what is called the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. It starts in our brain, works its way down to our adrenals, and that's where these hormones and neurotransmitters, uh, cortisol and adrenaline, get produced and released. When that system gets triggered, it's really meant to be a very short-lived response. So for example, um, you know, moms who are listening to this will relate. It's the feeling that you get, for example, if you are in on one side of the kitchen and you've left a knife just a little bit too close to the counter edge, and all of a sudden you realize your toddler has gotten tall enough to reach it, and they're reaching for it, and you're a little too far. You know, that like, no. right, exactly, <laughs> that's perfect. So it's that whole um, internal uh, response that we get, kind of that same response we would get if we were walking in a dark parking lot, and we heard footsteps, we were watching a scary movie, Home Alone, and we heard a clunk in the next room, or that moment with the toddler, that internal activation. What happens is that internal activation is meant to help us survive in a fight or flight mode in a very concentrated period of time, minutes to hours, maybe even days. What's happening for most of us is that there are so many factors that are constantly activating that, that um, survival response system. And for most of us, it either gets truly stuck in the on position, we're constantly activated, or it's getting turned on and off so frequently that for all intents and purposes, it's chronically activated. And when we get in this chronic activation, all of these survival benefits that we were supposed to get, for example, things like our blood sugar gets mobilized so that we can get really, you know, get to our toddler really fast. A lot of energy goes to our muscles. Um, we produce insulin to wipe up that sugar out of our, our cells when it's done, out of our bloodstream when it's done so that we don't get damaged from that excess sugar, which is inflammatory. Our heart rate goes up, our blood vessels constrict. So many different shifts happen, but when those shifts are chronically happening, on and off, on and off every day, or just pretty much on all the time, those systems that were meant to protect us actually backfire and start to become detrimental. So chronically producing too much sugar and releasing too much sugar means high blood sugar. Chronically producing too much insulin can lead to insulin resistance. Chronically sending energy from your central core to your uh, muscles so that you can fight or run means that for, uh, systems like your gut are getting deprived of blood flow and you can end up with leaky gut and, mm -hmm. and um, dysbiosis. Uh, another example is when you're chronically producing elevated amounts of cortisol, cortisol uses the same chemical substrates, the same chemical material that your body needs to produce estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. So you're shunting production away from those hormones toward cortisol production. So we end up with hormone problems, fertility problems, on and on down the road with what can go on for women with hormone problems. Also, and this is really super fascinating, when you are in this survival mode, your body goes into an energy conservation mode at the same time. So if you think about it, if you're in an energy crisis, what are we taught to do? Use less water, mm -hmm. turn down the thermostat. What's our body's thermostat? Our thyroid. 
So as part of a protection mechanism from our body overexpending energy, we start to divert energy away from producing that thyroid hormone. And so our metabolism goes down, our digestion slows down, our heart rate slows down, our cognitive function slows down, and we end up with a potential for hypothyroid. All of this activation can also affect our immune systems and we can get sick more often, we can get reactivation of old viruses like Epstein-Barr virus, herpes infections, and it predisposes us to autoimmune conditions. So I kept hearing my patients saying this and I started saying, wow, this survival overdrive. And I was talking with someone um, about this book I was planning to write and she said, oh, you keep saying survival overdrive. That sounds like a syndrome and it's not a medically diagnosable condition. I'm, you know, I made up the term, but she said, SOS, survival overdrive syndrome. And I was like, ah, and then I started saying that to my patients and they said, that's exactly how I feel. So we started kind of joking around calling it that term and it stuck. And one thing that I really um, just want to add, if you don't mind about SOS is that when we're exhausted, when we have chronic symptoms, and you know, for those women who have crossed over into chronic symptoms into autoimmune disease, it can really feel like your body has betrayed you. And a lot of women get really angry at themselves and really frustrated and very disappointed in themselves. And one of the things I think about about SOS is that, and this is just kind of a silly image that I had, but if you were a rescue pilot and you were flying a plane and you saw SOS on a beach, right? It's the universal signal that Mm -hmm. somebody needs help. You wouldn't think, oh my gosh, that person is down there asking for my help, they're having a problem, ugh, now I have to go rescue them, they're so annoying, what's wrong with them? You know, all the ways that we talk to our own selves. If you were a rescue pilot and you saw SOS, you would think, wow, somebody's really in trouble, you'd have compassion, your heart would open up and you would hopefully try to go help them. So to me, SOS is a little bit like reminding ourselves that our bodies are sending up these signal flares. There's a signal that something isn't right and it's out of balance, but rather than turning on ourselves to um, you know, blame ourselves or be hard on ourselves, when we go into this survival mode, what your body is really trying to do is settle, you know, slow you down long enough to get you to take the time to heal. And when we start to look at it that way, instead of looking at just how can I fix my thyroid or just how can I fix my adrenals or any other condition, it's more almost how can I heal my life Mm. so that I can also help to heal myself? Because I think so many of us are just in that go, go, go mode all the time that we don't hit the pause button enough, long enough to take care of ourselves. And then we cross a line where now our bodies are screaming out that we have to give ourselves the attention until we get back to balance. And then the body will take over at that po- at one point if it's been ignored long enough and then it won't be a choice exactly. as to whether or not you get help when you get help. It, it your body will it will shut down and then you will not have a choice because you won't be able to do all of this other stuff that you normally do. Yep. And I mean, I I'm not going to lie, that's happened to me where my body I I tend to go really hard and heavy if I'm in like a launch mode or something like that, or if it's just busy, um, you know, holiday season, which just passed. And, you know, we always need that. You know how there's the week between Christmas and New Year's. I kind of feel like we need even the week after that to recover. Absolutely. Just because of all of the stimulation, there's a lot of traveling and there's always emotions tied with that. Yes. But when you look at 
the life of a busy woman, whether she's a mom or a CEO or both or whatever her role is, it's, she's getting the symptoms and the messages, the messages like what you're saying. And we have to listen. We have to, instead of ignoring and stuffing, we have to pause. And I, for myself, it's the hardest thing, but I've actually, I've had to schedule myself deliberate time to pause. And during that time, I'm like, nope, I I should be doing this. Nope. I I could do this. Exactly. I made myself not. And, and I felt, I started feeling better. Yeah. It's hard though. I think that so many of us, and and I touch on this in the book around um, some subtle things that we wouldn't realize maybe are driving us, but that are actually internally driving us like perfectionism or fear of missing out or always feeling like we have to be a good girl. And a lot of that stems from our own, you know, childhood experiences or social experiences, but how can we sort of turn down how do we shift from having internal drive? Uh, how do we shift from being externally driven to having internal drive? Because most of the women I know, myself included, it's it takes a lot of practice till you get to the point where you're actually comfortable doing nothing and not feeling like you should be doing something else. We're constantly shooting on ourselves. I mean, you know, if you just kick back and read a book or relax and watch a movie or even do yoga sometimes or go and get a, you know a massage, you feel like ah. Oh, well, I mean, I should be working on my business or I should be doing something for my kids or I should be doing, should be doing, should be doing. Right. Yeah. I hear it. And even, even when you are doing, we still even hear in our own minds, I should be doing it better. I should be doing a longer yoga practice. I should be reading a self-help book, not a fluffy romance novel. I should be watching a documentary, not binging on Netflix. (laughs) I mean, so true. We, we do this to ourselves. You're so right about that, about that perfectionism that is just so chronic with women. And so now, you know, with this, with this adrenal thyroid revolution, what, what are we doing? So what are we taking back? Yeah. So it's a great question. So I, in the book, you know, I really wanted to make it accessible. And I mean, I don't think changing our lifestyles is ever so easy. So I don't want to say that it's easy. But I tried to create a really straightforward blueprint for taking back our health by looking at health, by looking at the five most common underlying factors or root causes that contribute to this imbalance in our systems. And it's, you know, the sort of stress, emotional, psychological pieces are probably the most obvious forms of stress that we think about. But actually, there are other stressors that impact our health that can also cause this system to get activated. So any form of chronic inflammation can cause this same system to get activated because cortisol's job is to fight inflammation. And inflammation in so many ways is giving your body and your brain the message that something's wrong. There's a fire and it's not just in the fireplace, right? The fire's gotten out of hand. So it's still sending up smoke alarm. You know, it's triggering the smoke alarm, which is that same stress axis or the survival mode axis. So I look at what are the big common things in addition to emotional and psychological and lifestyle stress that get that activated. So it's food triggers, and that includes not just sugar and processed foods, but individual food triggers. Like Mm -hmm. you said, you had to look for yourself at what your own personal food triggers were. So I take women through Uh, a reboot where, and I use the term reboot because it's like, you know, when your computer has too many programs open and you get that spinning signal. I call it the spinning wheel of death. Yes. (laughs) And the only thing you can do is shut Shut down down. and reboot. 
Like you have to just shut it all down. Mm -hmm. Too many programs open, the system overload. So the reboot is a way to recognize which foods are personal for the reader that are putting her digestive system or her inflammatory system on overload. We look at what the environmental triggers are in our household products, our body products, but also in our food and in our environment <clears throat> that we have control over, that we actually can eliminate because we know that there are a number of environmental toxins, heavy metals and chemicals mm -hmm. that bind to the thyroid and directly impact thyroid function, but also cause chronic inflammation, mm -hmm. even act as what are called obesogens. So certain environmental chemicals bind to our fat cells and make them grow and that causes inflammation. I look at our detoxification pathways because it's not just what we're being exposed to in the environment, but also how well we can detoxify. And the reality is there's so many ways that we're overwhelmed. And one of the ways that we're overwhelmed is that we are not equipped on an evolutionary basis to deal with the 80,000 chemicals that are now known to be circulating in our environment, let right. alone the chemicals that form when those chemicals bind with each other and we have no idea what they're doing. So I, I help women to identify how well their own detoxification processes are going, their elimination through their digestion. We heal the gut. That's a big part of the book. And then we also look at what are called stealth infections that are surprising infections that can be hiding in our bodies and get reactivated when we're under stress. Epstein-Barr virus is a big example of that mm -hmm. and one that can cause women to feel fatigued, flu-like symptoms, aches and pains. So it might be misinterpreted as Hashimoto's, but can also through a variety of mechanisms cause autoimmune disease as well. So the book gives women a blueprint to recognize whether they're in SOS and what their symptoms are for adrenal imbalances, whether they're having symptoms of uh, hypothyroidism or iron deficiency or um, thyroid deficiency, Hashimoto's, uh, uh, looks at nutritional deficiencies from B12, vitamin D, iron, uh, uh, folate, methylfolate, mm -hmm. and the symptoms associated with that through a series of really comprehensive questionnaires that you can just do on your own in 15 minutes. Great. And then use that as a targeted, you know, kind of personalized uh, way to create your own blueprint. And if you don't want to do the work of creating your own blueprint, you just use it as a checklist that you can chart your progress back against. And then the book goes through each of those five root causes and how in four weeks you can turn so many lifestyle things around. And four weeks in some ways sounds like such a short time. And I'm always cautious about sounding like some kind of, um, you know, snake oil salesman or you know, <laughs> knife sharpener salesman in just four weeks, you can da, 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 da. But I've been in clinical practice for over 30 years. And I just had the experience of doing um, just one section of this program, just the gut reset program section with 6,000 women. And the results we saw in two weeks were astonishing. Women's thyroid levels were improving. Um, one woman got pregnant after five years of trying to get pregnant, wow. got pregnant naturally. Multiple women, nurses were doing the program, writing me and saying, my blood pressure's down, my cholesterol's down, I've lost 15 pounds and four inches, I'm wow. sleeping better. Some women got off of Ritalin, a number of women got off of sleeping pills, and it was a four week program. But this That's was remarkable. just what I you know, surveyed them after two weeks. And the thing is, so many of these things that we can do to improve our health, like you experienced yourself, are really right within our hands. Right. It's just that our doctors don't know them and we've never been taught them. Right. So really the book is just to give women the information that they can do and take in their own hands to move the needle on their health. But then also, because it's so effective to do things as a group, any woman who wants to, um, who gets the book, 
uh, can join in a private Facebook group with me and with all the women who are doing it so that we can support each other as we go through it together. That's fantastic. I know how supportive Facebook groups can be, and the fact that you're offering that is that you're offering that with um, with the book is just fantastic. So people are not only getting the theory and they're also getting the tools, but they're also getting the support. So when when you purchase this book, you really are getting a program. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, I saw some amazing things happen. Just one example in the reset group that I just did back in November. And we actually have another reset group coming up pretty soon. But the one in November, just for example, one of the things I posted on the Facebook page was this really lovely relaxing bath that women can do. It's simply filling your tub with hot water and adding one to two cups of Epsom salts and seven to 10 drops of lavender. It's so incredibly relaxing. The Epsom salts are rich in magnesium. And I posted that in the morning. And then it was later in the afternoon before I got to the Facebook page again. And one of the women wrote in so honestly, it brought me to tears. Mm. Dr. Aviva, I really want to do this bath, but I'm so embarrassed to say that I'm so overweight that I'm not comfortable in my bathtub. And it's really hard for me to also just lay there in my bathtub because I don't like to look at my body. And in the interim, from when I had posted that in the morning till I got back to my Facebook page in the afternoon, can I tell you the pouring out of love amongst women on a path together is so gorgeous. So a bunch of women wrote back and said, you know, I understand, I've been there, I've struggled with that too. Um, instead, here's an idea, put all the ingredients into a foot bath and just mm -hmm. do a foot soak. Or how about a shower? Just take the lavender oil and put it on a washcloth and throw it into the shower. It was just beautiful to see. And, and also being in that process together helps to um, release oxytocin both for the person who writes in, but also for the person who responds. And interestingly, oxytocin is an antidote to stress hormones. It's an antidote Fantastic. to elevated cortisol. So it's pretty amazing. That really is, it's, that was a beautiful story. And I was getting emotional just listening to it, but you must, you must see this so frequently. So, um, I do. so it's an amazing community you're building. One last question before I before we sign off for today. I mean, I, I get asked this a lot, but I'm going to ask you because you're there isn't there aren't too many women who are well. Every woman is busy, but you have four children. You have two grandchildren. You have a medical practice and an online business, and you've written this book. How how do you stay healthy and energized, and how do you make this work? Oh my gosh. Um, this seems to be the, the million dollar question. Right? You know, what's like her secret? <laughs> well, like everyone else, I have my ups and downs. You know, I have those times where, you know, you've got a launch, you've got something going on and you're just pushing extra hard. But I think the three things for me are, um, one, I've been really fortunate that I started eating super well when I was like 15 years old and I'm 50. So 35 years ago, I've had a pretty long history of really great food and, um, you know, organic food and eating a very, um, in a very kind of rhythmic way in my life, not just what I eat, but taking time to stop for my food, not eating on the run. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has had a good, you know, kind of impact on my baseline stability and cortisol and energy. And I'm also really committed to getting good sleep because for me, good food and good sleep are probably the two things that if we stick with those, I mean, obviously there are times in your life, maybe you're in medical residency or you have babies who are waking up at night that that gets disrupted. But for the most part, 
if we can pay attention to our food and pay attention to our sleep, we can really have the resilience to get you know through most anything else. I would say the other factor within that is, well, I guess there are two more things. One is really paying attention to my body. Mm-hmm. And so I, over the years, have just learned what my own personal early warning signs are that I'm getting out of balance. And so when I start to feel that, rather than crossing over into you know, really um, getting symptomatic, I catch it really early. So I notice for myself, like I start to feel like I have a motor running in my gut, like there's an engine in there and it starts to make me feel very agitated Mm. or maybe my sleep gets a little disrupted. That's when I know I need to actually pay more attention to self-care. And then I guess the last thing for me is trying to stay connected to people that, um, that I love but also even just staying connected to my tribe. You know, I think it's that oxytocin factor Mm. that um, what Shelly Taylor, uh, who is a sociologist, calls tend and befriend. Tend and befriend is a, a, men and women can experience it, but it's a very feminine, um, it's a very feminine healing response in that, you know, just you and I connecting here together, it elevates us, it uplifts us, it's healing, it's nurturing. We feel we belong somewhere. So remembering to tune into that for me. Um, So I stay on, I'm the one who answers all my Facebook posts. I read my own emails because I know that in some ways that's the most important healing connection and that healing connection, it really does lift us all up. Absolutely. I I feel the same way about my audience. It's really important for me to feel connected with them and I want them to feel that connection coming from me on their end as well. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it, what's the point, you know? It's, exactly. We That's do what I this, say to my husband. We do this so that we can connect with people and so that we can serve them with our message and listen to them so that we can do even better, right? Yes. And, and that keeps us motivated, it right? Does. And, so and it keeps me, us inspired. Exactly. And I think that's the difference between when you're pushing and when you're pushing past what your reserves are. And uh, I think for me, that inspiration often makes what would be work into joy and pleasure. Mm -hmm. But then again, you know, dialing it back when I feel like it's getting too much, when I feel like I'm getting into that, you know, when you're crossing from stress into distress and knowing what that line is for you and staying more in the zone than in that stressed out place. Such such important words and such an amazing book. Thank you so much, Dr. Aviva, for being with us today and for sharing all of this amazing information. This is all information that I really believe women need to hear today. And I hope that every woman or everyone who knows a woman listening to this or watching this is going to go out and get a copy of the book. And we'll have a link where you can do so in the blog post at rachelpontillo.com that accompanies this episode. So thank you again, Dr. Aviva, for being Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and creating such a beautiful space to look at while we're talking. And your warmth warmth is so genuine. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of The Rachel Pontillo Show. And thank you, of course, to Dr. Aviva for joining us today and sharing all of this important information, especially for women, about how we can take back our health and live fuller, more empowered, 
and more embodied lives. We are all here to serve a purpose and we need to be healthy and strong to be able to do that. So thank you so much to Dr. Aviva for being here, for writing your incredible book and sharing your incredible work. Be sure that you come on over to rachelpontillo.com. Leave a comment. Let us know what you thought about this episode. But also while you're there, click on the link in the blog post because that is the link that you will use to purchase your copy of The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution. And it is a fabulous book. I hope you add it to your collection. Please also be sure to like and share this episode. And also please subscribe to my YouTube channel and my iTunes channel. Thanks again for being here. I'm Rachel Pontillo. I'll be back again soon with another episode. I wish you in the meantime, a beautiful day.